Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Interrobang Podcast. I'm your host and editor, Hannah Theodore. You're listening to the first episode of our brand new Pride Podcast series. Every Friday in June, we'll be releasing an episode of our podcast featuring prominent members of the LGBTQ2S plus community. I can't think of a better way to kick off our series than with the current president of Pride London, Stephen D'Amelio. Stephen, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much for being here. And I just want to start maybe with a little introduction to you, who you are and what you do, just for any of our students out there who might not already know. Yeah. So um, as mentioned, my name is Stephen D'Amelio. I'm the uh, current president of Pride London Festival. Um, I was originally born in Toronto and I moved to this beautiful city in 2001. And actually that was my introduction to Pride, uh, just as it was kind of getting started. Um, My introduction was fantastic. It was uh, a really good experience of being a part of a community that I didn't know existed uh, prior to to coming out. And um, it, it just kind of flourished over the years. I've been uh, actively involved in creating events and um, even being on the board at one point in time for event uh, management. Um, And then this past year, I joined again with the interest of trying to uh, bring us back to our roots and and creating events and and engagement throughout the year. Um, And outside of that, I work uh, a, a pretty um, ruling job for UPS, uh, and I also am a, an active and, and award-winning DJ, so it's quite a, an active lifestyle. I love that. So diverse. Yes. <laughs> um, in your first few months as president of Pride London, how has it been going? Uh, it is Really, really uh, fantastic. It's it's overwhelming. I'm not going to lie. There is a lot of work to do, um, but it's it's rewarding. It it gives you an opportunity to connect with fantastic individuals like yourself and organizations, um, to connect with the community and to get a, a clear understanding of some of the things that um, you know they would like to see. Um, and honestly, in just our first 100 days, we've been extremely busy. We even put up something on our, our Facebook, uh, or excuse me, our, our website, um, to indicate what we've been doing over the first 100 days. And it's been six months now uh, since since our, our election, and it has just been a whirlwind of a spin. Uh, we've launched our own uh, streaming platform, on-demand streaming platform, held our first BIPOC town hall, uh, our virtual Valentine special, connected with various organizations. And uh, it's just been kind of a snowball, a lot of fantastic things. So the one thing I will always say is anybody that is interested in getting involved in a non-for-profit or a volunteer organization like ours, um, you know, the rewards are, are fantastic. Sometimes the most difficult work is done behind the scenes and it's not uh, the most glamorous, um, but it is something that you can walk away and feel very proud of uh, with your work that's being done. So uh, it's a commitment but uh, and, and a long one, but it is certainly something that I'm, I'm extremely humbled and, and privileged to be in this position. I know you mentioned that sort of um, need to get back to our roots when we're looking at Pride and that sort of year-round education process. Mm-hmm. What has sort of been your your overall guiding principle as you've navigated this role, which is kind of just a long way of asking maybe what your biggest goal has been or continues to be? Yeah, so our, you know, there's, there's kind of a, um, a two-lane focus. So, so for me, I've being kind of a focus of, of, of four pillars, um, you know, education, which I think is extremely key when it comes to pride movements. Um, we're not just a celebration, 
we're a movement. And I think it's extremely important to keep that in mind and to continue that educational focus. Um, and that's not just for, you know, our allies and for individuals who aren't a part of our, our rainbow umbrella, but it's also for us, us ourselves. I mean, I'm, I'm one who always says that it's, it's, you're never stop learning. Um, and I'm not perfect myself. I have to continue to learn and, and, uh, and even be corrected. And so I think that's important. Uh, I think the second big major issue or, 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 issue, or um, excuse me, the second biggest pillar is uh, engagement, engaging with our, uh, our members, engaging with the community and engaging with the uh, overall population is extremely important. That's how we reach and, and are able to educate people. Um, the other big thing is, is empowerment. Um, you know, we have a lot of voices that have seen underrepresentation, not just within our movement, but across society. Um, you know, speaking about non-binary, intersex, um, obviously the most, you know, the most uh, prevalent one these, these most uh, uh, past few years has been Black and Indigenous uh, people or people of other races, Asian. And these voices need to be represented, need to be lifted. So embracement of uh, cultures and, and backgrounds is, is extremely important. Uh, the fourth is entertainment. It's, it's obviously extremely important that we continue to try to entertain precise to educating and, and embracing and engaging. Um, and our theme this year is to try to wrap all of those up in one um, and it's unity within our community. Um, we, we understand that there are divisions, uh, not just within our city, but with across the country, uh, within the communities, and, and it's important that we recognize that, but not, also, not only recognize it, but actually try to have a dialogue about that and try to get to a consensus point where we're able to you know, move forward and, and move that progress in a way that we would like to see. So that's, that is our main focus. Our, our main focus is, is unity uh, within our community, but those four main pillars are important to me and how I, I view my guiding principles for uh, this position. Well, and on the topic of dialogue as well, um, let's talk about something that is news this week, which for some folks might be a little bit contentious, controversial, but we're going to go there. Um, That just this week, police chief Steve Williams released a statement that after conversations with Pride London, an agreement was made that police would be invited to the virtual Pride Festival this year. Can you tell me what those conversations look like and why police have been granted that invite this year? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, this is uh, one of those, uh, as you said, contentious issues. It's, it's, um, it's a dividing issue across our nation. This has been, I, I've been um, privileged to, to take part in uh, a number of um, meetings with a number of other prides. And uh, as a DJ, I actually myself, I've, I've seen this um, kind of up close and personal in Calgary, Edmonton, and in Toronto. Um, for myself and for our board, we really wanted to focus on trying to have that dialogue, trying to clarify where both parties stand and how we can maybe get to the table and start having that conversation. Um, so for myself, uh, being the first black president of this organization, I thought it was extremely important that I tackle this issue head on. Um, I spoke with the leader of Black Lives Matter London here and uh, had a very frank and honest and vulnerable conversation with her where we discussed um, the, the requests that Black Lives Matter have for organizations like ourselves, which is to uh, not see police presence and, and to disengage with the police. And we also spoke with, I also spoke with the chief of police and uh, a number of other uh, organizations that had stakes in this and got their perspective. And, and um, 
The one thing I will say is that I think, unfortunately, this conversation has been boiled down to two simple statements, which is, um, you know, Black Lives Matter statement seems to be, uh, you know, no police presence. And that is very simple boiled down. Um, the police is we'd love to march uh, in uniform. And again, very simple and boiled down. Uh, what I found, though, is that there is much deeper conversations needed. Um, the Black Lives Matter would like to see, specifically here in London, would like to see the abolishment of the police. As somebody who would love to see a consensus and see progress on this, I understand that that is a, um, unfortunately, an unattainable position. Um, and for the police, um, there is a real feeling that the uniform, much like the military, represents who they are. And that is a serious conversation to have. Um, it is not one that we as a board need to represent, but is one that we should be involved in and that we should have our community involved in. For our organization, what we chose to do is instead of our board uh, making the call, which has, has happened in the past and has happened in other organizations, we chose to engage our community and our members directly and simply ask them and give the power to them. Uh, this year, we provided a survey with those two simple questions. Should the police be involved in virtual celebrations this year? And uh, should they be in uniform? And we received um, a majority vote yes that to both questions that they should be involved. But this was not an overall majority. This was not a super majority. Um, it was and, and still is a resounding statement that there still needs to be a dialogue, still needs to have work being done. Um, so we welcome the London Police Services to participate in this year's virtual celebration. As I mentioned, that is, it's requested by both our membership and our engaged community members. But we need to continue those conversations with Black Lives Matter Canada and London, the London Police Services, or service, excuse me, and other minority groups that seek to be a part of that dialogue. As I mentioned, Asian, trans men, women, non-binary, intersex and Indigenous people. And was, as we did, we did raise the flag uh, yesterday on uh, June 1st. Um, we assisted the chief of police there um, and we raised it at half staff uh, out of recognition and respect uh, for the tragedy that uh, took place out of Kamloops that was discovered this past weekend. Um, that is going to be flying until June the 9th um, and it is a welcome. Um, but as I said, it is, it is by no means the end and it is by no means a marker that everything is okay. It is a marker that uh, is a starting point and I'm excited to continue this, and I hope that uh, as we continue to have these conversations, that we're able to get to a, a point where we're at a better point uh, as we come to years following. So I'd love to see, personally, I'd love to see uh, the chief as we saw back, and I believe it was 2015, um, being the Grand Marshal, you know, being welcomed back in. But I would also love to see that the individuals in our community that feel that the police are a sign of oppression. Um, there's a lot of contentious concerns over the police and um, the uniforms and weaponry and a, a number of other issues. I need to see these resolved before we can get to that point. So I am very hopeful. I am very happy that we've had these conversations and that we're continuing to have them. Stephen, how would you describe London's overall relationship with, with pride and, and LGBT folks in general? Because it seems like this, this particular issue with the police is really drawing light on maybe division within the community. And you mentioned that vote was not a supermajority, right? Like there were people that were still on opposing sides of this issue. So how do you see London's relationship as, as a safe space and as a, as an accepting space for 
LGBT folks and also members of the BIPOC community? I think as in society, and I think this is unfortunately something that our community is grappling with as we are experiencing a, um, a, a movement towards progress and human rights and respect. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm a little older. I'm, uh, I'm in my 30s. I won't say how old, but <laughs> I'm in my 30s. So I, I've experienced, um, you know, a bit more than maybe someone in their 20s. And I've seen some things that someone in their 20s may not have seen. And the same for someone who's in their 50s has experienced and seen progress in a way that I may not have seen it. And I think that's incredibly important when we're speaking about this issue because I think that everyone's own personal uh, experiences um, really, not to use the term inappropriately, but color their perspective. Um, and it's important that it does because that's, that's important to them. So for me, I've had positive experiences with the police here. Um, you know, I've, I've never been in trouble with the law, so my experiences so far have been fairly decent. However, we have board members currently and in the past who have had horrible experiences with police, not just uh, the police here in London, but police outside of London as well. Um, and that was brought to their attention when we were speaking with them, which is part of that vulnerability that we expressed. Um, we frankly have had a board member in the past board members who have resigned over this issue. Uh, there, there is some serious feelings over this. So the, the, the division that we're seeing, I don't think it's division that says, you know, um, your opinion is wrong or, or for example me supporting the police is wrong it is just to say that there is a view that needs to be recognized and that relationship with the police service and uh, indigenous individuals in our community uh, bipoc individuals in our community is strained um, you know i uh, others who are uh, black and indigenous who i've spoken to have had positive experiences but there are also individuals who have not. And so just like society, I think it's important that we take you know, recognition of the fact that this is not always going to make everyone happy. Um, but as long as we're continuing to listen, especially as an organization, and we try to take into account everybody's viewpoints, and we move on those requests and on those issues. So for example, one of the big requests has been to request that the London Police Services create more diversity, hire more black police officers, hire more indigenous individuals. Um, there's calls, for example, with regards to uh, the recent discovery in Kamloops and how police services in London can start acting uh, on those requests. These are things that we can nudge them on and that other organizations that have stakes in this are also nudging them on and, and are having conversations on. But nudging is not enough. Um, there needs to be more. And so I fully expect from my conversations that there are there, there, there is more happening. I know the chief of police has had conversations with Black Lives Matter. Um, I also know that there's conversations happening with various indigenous groups. They need to continue with or without us involved. And that would be my uh, recommendation. But I, I do believe that ultimately, as in society, Unfortunately, we are going to consistently see um, people who just view the police from their own perspective. And whether that's a positive perspective or negative perspective, it is still important that that is still heard. That's really interesting. And I know that we're all very grateful that these conversations are happening. And I know for you as well, uh, 
not just based on previous reading, but like this conversation as well. Like I get the sense that direct action and being involved with education and advocacy is really important for you. How have you found ways to do that so far and how will that be reflected in this year's Pride festivities? So me personally, you know, the term for president is, is on a yearly basis. So there's a, it's not like, uh, you know, the regular president where you have four years or, or even in Canada, or you may have longer. Um, you kind of have to, you know, work really hard, really quickly, uh, hit that ground running. Um, and for me, um, I am not one for performative actions. Um, you know, I, I definitely hear the calls that there's feelings that some of these things are performative. Um, I am not one for that. I feel like uh, it is ultimately a waste of time, everyone's time around, when there is no action behind that. And, you know, frankly, the police also have that uh, statement. I believe it's uh, uh, actions or deeds, not words, I believe is a statement. Um, and, and it's important that the, you actually are going to be taking up next steps. For me, that meant having those vulnerable conversations, being direct, and then being involved in as, any, in as many ways as I possibly can. So working with the Thamesville District School Board about inclusivity and diversity um, and speaking to students and, and creating curriculum that works for them and, and helps understand, you know, um, simple things like uh, not saying you guys uh, and replacing with folks or everyone um, and other things that don't even come into the curriculum nowadays. Uh, and that also includes working with the police. So I'm also creating, uh, the board is also creating uh, safer spaces. Uh, we're working with the police to acknowledge these types of statements and, and things that they may not be uh, aware of. Uh, one of those things for just as a quick example my own experience, I mentioned to the chief of police in our conversations, was uh, a statement that, you know, as a police officer, you'll walk by or you'll drive by and you'll see a, a black individual and you'll pull up and say, You're, you look like someone we're looking for. Um, that is, to them, just a regular statement. But to, the, to, the, to, the, to a particular person like myself, it's a bit of a dog whistle. Um, and that's not something that they thought of. You know, it's, it's not that they're doing it maliciously. It's just something that they do on the regular. And until you bring this to their attention, until you have that conversation, it's not something they're going to stop doing because they don't think it's wrong. Um, same thing with we, we learned that they are no longer saying, may I see your license and registration, sir or madam. They don't assume your gender anymore. Um, it's a small step, but it's an important one. And these are the things that I think are, are important to continue to do. So for myself, it's been having those conversations, getting involved in creating uh, the material that's, that's needed or necessary and that is requested. And then the other main thing for our festival for this year is highlighting uh, these conversations, these voices, and the educational information that's necessary. So we've teamed up with um, a number of unique organizations. Um, we've spoken with a number of unique organizations as well. The London Police Service is going to be involved in uh, this year's festival. Um, that there will be conversations we'll be having with them, as well as an organization called Black Gay Men's Network. Um, Black Lives Matter is going to be requested to be involved. We have not uh, had that uh, dialogue as of yet. Um, and a number of other organizations that have spoken up, um, representing Indigenous, non-binary, and trans women and men and women. 
that is really important for us this year, um, as it was last year, to be frank. Uh, the previous president also tried to continue to do some of these um, educational type programmings. For me, as a, as a black president, I really do think it's important that uh, this year we, we try to highlight the, um, the issues with regards to race and uh, our conversations regarding that. But this year, we're experiencing um, kind of a, an uptick in interest in creating programming um, that revolves around uh, police, uh, indigenous uh, cultures, peoples, and experiences, as well as uh, black lives and, and experiences. So we are extremely excited to, to be talking and, and, and showing our programming for this year's virtual festival. And as well as, as I mentioned, you know, embracing, engaging, and educating at the same time. It's interesting you mentioned just what a difference those small language changes can make, you know? Yeah. And, and like I saying folks, I think is just way more fun than saying guys. <laughs> That's just a better word in general, I think. I love saying folks. That's way better. I've heard, I've heard people say that uh, Doug Ford has ruined the word folks. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. I didn't know he'd taken it up. Darn. <laughs> but, it's, it, but, you know, you're right. It's, it's, um, and, uh, you know, I'll fully admit that uh, when I ran uh, in 2019 at the AGM, when we were able to have physical um, meetings, uh, I um, started my statement off uh, as, you know, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. Um, and, uh, and I actually said, you guys at one point, and it was brought to my attention um, you know, respectfully, which I think is also important when you're yeah. bringing these things up to people, that that's not appropriate and you might want to utilize another term. And that's the, that's the thing, you know, even in our own community, you're going to have these, um, these, these educational moments. And it's just important that you be humble and, yeah. and maybe take a step back and go, I didn't know that. And thank you. And, and let me correct myself. Totally. Yeah. It's the, uh, it's the respect to have someone mention it to you and, the equal parts you saying, oh, gee, I didn't think about that. And then making that small change, you know, um, Absolutely. I've never quite understood the resistance to that, but <laughs> let's pivot to a lighter note because we've yes. talked about all the educational materials that are going to be at Pride this year, but what can people expect for the, um, the fun side of Pride Fest this year? Well, that's my big thing too. As I mentioned, I'm I'm a DJ by trade, so um, I used to be a promoter and a radio host. So I'm extremely uh, excited about creating fun programming, safe programming, and uh, as I said, engaging programming. So this year, um, we've tried to continue to present some of the more um, popular programs that we ha have uh, people have come to enjoy over the years. So for example, the returning drag queen story time, um, that is gonna be coming back this year. Uh, we've partnered actually um, with a number of fantastic organizations to bring some great programming. Um, we've done something called uh, the legacy interviews where for me, this is something I'm extremely excited about uh, where we're taking some time and sitting down with former presidents of Pride London Festival and Halo, which is actually the organization that predated Pride London. As I mentioned, it started in 2001, but Halo and Pride as a movement has had uh, a rich history in the city for about 41 years now. This is the 41, 41st year. And uh, so we're gonna be sitting down with presidents and vice presidents of both, both organizations and speaking to them about their experiences. 
Uh, we have our art show. Uh, we have uh, the returning uh, Listen and Learns, where we'll be sitting down and speaking with, as I mentioned, uh, individuals um, from the BIPOC community, from the intersex community, non-binary community, and getting some perspectives and, and uh, stories from them. Uh, we also have some fun programming and music programming lined up as well. Um, some DJs and some bands that we're extremely excited to be presenting and to be uh, releasing very soon. Uh, our awards program is coming up as well, um, so getting all prepared for that. And we also have a virtual parade as well, which is actually just about to be released with some details. Um, so we're excited. That's just the tip of the iceberg as well. We have, I'm a man of, of uh, a lot of, uh, I'd like to throw out a lot of, you know, big ideas <laughs> and then get brought down to reality <laughs> with what uh, is actually doable. Um, so, you know, this year I've tried to make sure that uh, everybody is getting a little bit of something. Um, you know, we've heard a lot of feedback about our programming over the years and I'm trying to engage with older members of our community and members of our community that enjoy, you know, drag, but also enjoy some other types of form of entertainment and also enjoy the DJs, but also like to see other types of music as well. So we're interested in uh, and, and are going to be presenting some various and, and fantastic programming that hopefully is uh, enjoyable for all age groups. Um, and we also have some religious programming as well as we've had in the past, our Pride Shabbat. Um, we've also worked out uh, a great relationship with the Wien Center, which uh, will be opening up a, a morning prayer, as well as um, our, our returning, uh, our returning uh, religious uh, programming as well. So as I mentioned, you know, we, we really do want to engage our entire community. Um, and this includes people who are religious, um, are in the police force, are in Black Lives Matter. Um, you know, this just because we may not see eye to eye on certain issues, um, it's important that we understand, as I mentioned, our, our theme for this year is that we are all united um, and that we are all a community. And if you look at the word community, unity is, is the big, you know, the big importance in that word. And that's what we're really striving for this year. That all sounds so exciting. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, I've heard from a couple other like events that I've spoken to that there's something about the virtual format that in some ways offers the opportunity for more people to be present because like they've found that they've had higher numbers doing things virtually because more people are just able to turn on their computers and be a part of that event. You know, last year um, we've had, so we were kind of like every other organization, we were a little bit caught off foot uh, by um, the announcement because unfortunately um, permits were not really clarified until later in the year. Uh, so we were really, uh, and I, I, I must tip my hat to, to Andrew Rosser, who was the former president of this organization and, and led it for about 10 years. Um, he really did uh, put together a fantastic lineup of programming. Um, and we had actually <laughs> kind of a smaller board at the time. So it was really great that we were able to do that. Our engagement was not as high as we would love to have seen it. Um, and I, I frankly believe, and that's why we ended up kind of changing the way we did things this year. Uh, I believe that was mainly because, as, as I said, we, we were trying to uh, pivot in a way that we weren't entirely sure of. So we utilized uh, various uh, platforms, um, you know, put our programming on Facebook and on our social media channels. Um, but we found that we had uh, various levels of engagement across uh, um, the social media networks and on our site. Um, and we found that it was, it was kind of hard for people to find out where to go and when to go there. But it was great that people were able to um, relive those moments at any time they wanted to. 
So this year, we launched the Pride London Network, uh, which I mentioned is uh, a free on-demand streaming platform. It's our own version of Netflix, and it's actually Canada's very first uh, Pride uh, streaming platform. There is no other Pride that's doing this currently. And so we feel very honored that we're thought of this and, and are able to kind of pull this off. Um, and we've tried to not only capture our history over the years and put that on the, on the page on the, on the network, but also put our entire festival on there as well. So you can still go onto our social media networks and, and pages and, and find uh, great programming that we put up currently right now that is airing. Uh, but you can also go to our streaming site and take a look on demand at any time um, for our programming, as well as the 10 day festival that we're going to be holding this year. So the participation level, we're extremely excited to increase this year. Um, and we're so far, we've had some extremely high numbers. And surprisingly, which I think has surprised all of us, we've actually got a lot of attention internationally, um, which no has way. been really, really, really um, kind of heartwarming. Um, mm. Our friends over across the pond in the London, UK um, took notice and uh, started to ask if we could start putting their programming up. Um, and a number of other organizations across North America have started to take notice. So um, we're, <laughs> we're actually starting to partner up with some of these organizations, wow. which I think will be coming to a surprise to a lot of people. And uh, it's just been, as I said, you know, a year goes by very quickly. Uh, and and it, we are really, really excited to be um, trying to engage and, and providing our, our content and, and exactly what London is and highlighting um, our community players, our community partners, and our community to the world. And that's what we're most excited for this year. I have to say, it is about time that London, <laughs> England acknowledged London, Ontario. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's been right in front of us this whole time. Yeah. Um, the funny part is that the amount of times we get emails, uh, I actually just received <laughs> one about a volunteer who, who thought they were volunteering for us, but ended up volunteering for the London UK. So oh uh, yes, it's, it's extremely, uh, as I say, heartwarming to, to get these positive messages from politicians um, uh, from both sides of the aisle and from, uh, from international names and, and organizations. That's awesome. So I, I have one more question here for you, Stephen. Um, hmm because we have lots of students here at Fanshawe who some of them aren't from London, some of them aren't even from Canada, and they might be looking to get involved in the greater queer community outside of campus. How can they break out of the campus bubble and find that community here in London? That's a fantastic question. So first of all, um, any, any students uh, listening to this right now, um, the skills that you're learning in school, regardless of what you're taking, can be applied in just about any nonprofit or volunteer organization. And it doesn't have to be LGBT focused. You know, um, a lot of organizations have partnered uh, and have um, moved towards progress. But if you are looking for, um, you know, that chosen family, if you are looking to connect, uh, there's a lot of fantastic organizations. The first one that comes to mind is uh, Regional HIV and AIDS Connection. They're located on King Street, uh, downtown London. Um, right, I guess it's uh, down the street from uh, City Plaza, formerly known as Galleria for some of our older listeners. Um, shout and, out, uh, Galleria. Shout out. Exactly. <laughs> um, and uh, they are an absolutely fantastic resource for a lot of educational programming, a lot of educational content and, and uh, information. 
they also have a lot of contacts like ourselves and um, another, a number of other organizations. So I would certainly suggest uh, reaching out to them or even paying them a visit. Directly across the street from them is another fantastic organization called Innovation Works. Um, if you are someone who is a go-getter and like to start something on your own, they are absolutely fantastic to, to connect to. Um, there's a number of smaller organizations that, um, again, are a part of that chosen family that you can connect with. Um, a few that come to mind are, uh, as I mentioned, uh, and, and it's on our site, they are not directly connected to us, unfortunately, at this time. Um, but Queer Events is uh, an organization that I believe was started out of Western, um, but is now kind of doing uh, food uh, bank runs and, and does their own events on a, on a, on a uh, pretty bi-monthly uh, basis. Um, they have a strong connection with uh, Indigenous and BIPOC community. Um, so they're a fantastic organization to get connected with. They are not non-for-profit, but they are fantastic either way. Um, there's other organizations like uh, Rainbow Optimist uh, Club. Um, they are actually the only LGBT-focused Rainbow Optimist in uh, Canada. Um, it's actually started a, an interest from the entire organization to continue to start to go down that path. They are uh, what focuses on um, uh, smaller communities, as we mentioned, like Strathroy, Oxford County. Um, Pride Men's Chorus is another one I'll quickly mention as well. Um, it is started by an individual that we actually work with who works on our one of our programs, Sunday Morning Joy. His name is Rod Cullum, and uh, they normally practice, uh, it, just for clarification, it is not only open to men, it is open to everybody. Uh, the name is a little, uh, a little dated, but they're looking at updating that. Um, they, uh, they are an organization that focuses on, um, you know, if you've maybe had past trauma or are looking for a chosen family and you don't necessarily uh, want to go and have coffee nights, uh, this is a fantastic way to maybe connect through song and music. Um, they get together on a pretty regular basis, although with the, the current situation they've been meeting virtually. Um, and they perform regularly at Aeolian Hall which is another fantastic uh, venue and organization that is a, a great connection as well. So there's just, just a few, um, but there is a lot out there. Um, with the city of the size we are, there is so many different organizations. For City uh, Men's Group is another one. Um, For City Querios is another one. There's, there's so many. Um, Facebook <laughs> is actually a great uh, uh, ability uh, to, to find. And we're actually creating a page right now or we're putting some resources up as well. But I would strongly suggest reaching out to any one of those organizations. They're all fantastic, led by fantastic people um, and, and doing some fantastic work in this city. I know that's gonna be a huge help for our students. So thank you, Stephen. And welcome. thank you for being here on the show in general. We've loved having you. Thank you for all the work that you do. Uh, we are counting down the days till Pride Fest here and we just can't wait for all that's to come. So thank you so much. You're quite welcome. And thank you again for the opportunity. And uh, just as a reminder to anybody, if anybody is interested in volunteering for organization, we would love to have you. You can sign up at pridelondon.ca. Hey, it's me again. Thank you so much for listening to the first episode in our Pride podcast series. We have got so much Pride content coming your way this month, so you're going to want to keep an eye on our website and stay tuned for further episodes in our Pride series featuring all kinds of special guests. Catch all the new episodes on Spotify, Google Play, or Apple Music, and make sure you subscribe to our newsletter to keep up with all things Fanshawe.